0: Good row. Carries across the line. Open right circle. No.
1: Pass it front. No. Score! What a job. What a goal by Blake Coleman. Three-tenths of a second on the clock and it's 2-1 Lightning.
0: Edmondson behind the Montreal net. A pass picked off Palat.
1: Score! score! Andre Palat! An incredible goal. It's 3-1 Lightning.
2: When the smoke clears, the Tampa Bay Lightning find themselves up 2-0 here in this Stanley Cup final.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
3: In what world is the Pilat goal called just as explosively as that Blake Coleman goal? In, in no world. I don't should. even remember the goal. What was it? <laughs> it's a good start to the show. Our line starts. The final edition, fueled by Duncan, Liam McHugh, Patrick Sharp will refresh his memory about the when goals he here. here Anthony Carter, very excited <laughs> to be here
1: today. It's called dump and chase.
3: Yeah, get pucks deep. Keith Jones here as well. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, of course, <laughs> utter professional. Great Keith Jones. You. great yes. to see you guys. Great to see you as well. All right, so Tampa Bay's up two games to none. Your take, first two games, Stanley Cup final. Do you have any hope for Montreal here?
2: Yeah, I thought they played well in game two. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond after having a strong performance and losing. I mean, I thought they had great skating legs. I thought they played the game with energy. I thought they created enough scoring chances to win the game and they still lost to a Tampa Bay Lightning team that was clinical in the third period once they had the lead. I think that's probably what was most impressive and probably discouraging from a Montreal perspective is that Tampa got to their game in the third period and took a 2 nothing lead in the series. So a, bi- a big hill to climb, not a mountain yet for Montreal.
0: It was a good game too for Montreal. They're going home where they're pretty comfortable playing in their building. In front of their limited fans, the city will be... Off the charts, excited to have them back there. And as far as Tampa, through these first two games, we've seen all they have to offer. Haven't we saw the explosive offense in game one? We saw them check well in game two. Vasilevsky stole the show. I can't wait to hear what Anson has to say about this. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to say that
1: Montreal has no chance. <laughs> all right, <laughs> no chance. Look at Tampa Bay Lightning. They're 6-0 after losses. And they should have lost that last game with the way they played. So I expect a Lightning team to bounce back, uh, be a lot better. And I'm kind of curious to see what line starts tonight. I know this is our line starts right now, but what <laughs> yes. line starts tonight? So at this point, I'm just going to dump and change and pass it back to you, Liam. All right.
3: <laughs> our line starts. Our line stops, according to Jonesy, at this yeah. point. Yeah. You were talking about odds, no chance. Let's look at the actual odds, all right, in this series right now. Powered by Points Bet Sportsbook, Tampa Bay, right here, minus 1796. Whoa! All right. And you have Montreal plus 1,000 at this point. Uh, we know aces stand on this. Zero chance. Zero chance for Montreal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, are you betting? I mean, we talked about this before. Carey Price at some point. Is probably going to have his moment, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I would have said
2: zero chance in round one when they were down three to one against Toronto, too. So they have shown resiliency. So I would say there's a chance that Montreal can climb back into it, especially having home ice, getting their head coach back now. They should get, you know, some level of uh, energy from that as well. Different uh, voice behind the bench. So he is their lead guy. He did a very good job and helping them come back against Toronto. So I would think there'll be some minor adjustments. I think last change does matter, and I think Montreal puts a little bit of a scare in Tampa. I don't think Tampa's just going to walk right through and win four straight. Slim chance, uh,
0: but it is a playoff series, and we saw how much the injury to Alex Kalorn affected that Tampa group. At least that's what I'm pinning Game Two's performance on. Uh, they looked a little bit out of sync with that forward group, uh, having to jumble some lines around. Johnson moves up, that changes that strong fourth line. Anything can happen, and if any team's proven that they can believe and get to this point as well as Montreal has, why don't who knows what they have left in the tank.
3: Anything to the idea that you go to the Bell Center and there's 3,500 people? And it's just odd for Tampa Bay that you walk in and it doesn't feel, all of a sudden, it doesn't feel like a big moment,
1: maybe? You would think that, but they won a championship in the bubble last year. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think playing in front of an empty stadium arena is going to affect them at all. I think they've got a bigger goal ahead of them, wanting to repeat. And the fact they're playing in Montreal, I think just the buzz around town. You know, talking to people there, everyone's so pumped and so excited walking around St. Catherine Street uh, there by the Bell Center that just feeling that energy of the city, regardless of its 20,000 people are not in that arena. That 3,500 people in the arena is going to sound like 2,500,
0: 25,000 yeah. people or 20,000, whatever that arena is. And right. they just have to win one game. At least that's the mindset I would take if I was on Tampa. How nice would it be for them to go home up 3-1 if they split this series in Montreal, have a chance to win in front of their home home base fans. So we'll see how it all plays out.
3: Yeah, especially considering the way they won it last year in the bubble. You're so far away from home. You're celebrating in a virtually empty arena and then – The banner goes up this year. Barely any fans are there until near the end of the season. I mean, you're not trying to plan to win it at home, but you're trying to plan right now. Your focus, taking care of business right now and ending this while you have a team down that probably should have won the last game.
2: Yeah, and I think Anson made a great point about Tampa, the way they bounce back after losses. And there's a lot that happened in game two that probably felt like a loss. And one of the things that's been so good about Tampa is the way that they've adjusted from game to game. And when something hasn't gone their way, they found a way to improve and get better and and erase the mistakes that they made in the previous game. So I think that does play into this game. I think Tampa is going to be on high I think Montreal showed them enough in the last game that they're not going to take the Canadians lightly, and I think that should actually benefit Tampa in a game three here, trying to go up 3 nothing in the series, and for those reasons, I think Tampa could be the team that ends up on top of this one and go, takes that 3 nothing lead into game four.
3: Well, it was a hyper-focused group. Tyler Johnson, after the game, the interview he did with Catherine Tappen, you would have thought they lost the game and lost the series after that, and they won that game. I don't know. It's a serious... Focused, determined team right now, this Tampa Bay Lightning team. Uh, We could move on unless you guys have something else to say on this series. Something profound, something uh, that I haven't touched on. You save it. Save for the pregame show. I'm going to save it too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Save it all for that pregame show. That'll be good.
1: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the
0: procedures to treat cataracts.
2: All
1: right. I was following Sharpie's lead. That's right. Hey, listen.
3: <laughs> our line starts everybody, slowly. slowly. Everybody knows their role. That's the important <laughs> thing here. No leaders, only followers here on Our Line call Starts. The yeah, Yeah. All right. There is some NHL news, though. We have Arizona Coyotes. They hired their head coach, Andre Tourney. So he's the new man in charge. He wants the players to see this as a fresh start I mean, it's a different name. It's not the coaching carousel. Does it feel like a fresh start, something different in a way they can move forward?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's probably a good move for Arizona. I think they have a team that's kind of wondering where they're headed. I think if you're a player on that team, you're you're hopeful that the direction is up. You have young players that are you're looking to advance in your organization. And sometimes a first-year coach coming out of junior is uh, a good way to kind of work those young guys into a National Hockey League careers and try to change the fortunes of the organization. But the, there's a very good head coach that left and Rick Tocchet that did a really good job with that team, but they're in transition. So this should help their transition, give them a new attitude and a
0: fresh look. He's had all kinds of success at the lower levels of junior hockey, represented Team Canada uh, at the junior level and um, has a great reputation. And Mr. Armstrong, general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, said on an interview recently that he hired... Uh, The new coach because he was in the junior facility at a restaurant with the whole team in there and, and he didn't know he was sitting in a booth watching this group of players, and he watched how the coach interacted with those players. He had a reputation as being a hard coach, a demanding coach, but the way that the players on that junior team are interacting with the head coach, it went a long way. I think you can get the most out of some young players, and if you're Arizona, that's what you're doing. You're just bringing in young players and draft picks, and you're giggling at me over there.
1: Right. <laughs> <eat laughs> Lobstery. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: I, I can't get with a Mr. Armstrong. I know. I the know. Bill, <laughs> very, very
1: formal. Of respect yes, <laughs> <forgiving>. very formal. <laughs> Showing some respect in his name. <laughs> I, sure. I him think,
3: him. aren't you supposed to say <laughs> the terrific general manager? <laughs> <laughs> well, also, yes. That's, that's I mean, I the think he's a title. great
1: fit for what both you said, Sharpie, and I think what Jonesy said too. I thought Mr. Armstrong's going to do a tremendous <laughs> job there in Arizona. Only because he's a development coach, and they don't expect to win. They expect to be lower in the payroll when it comes to budget. They expect to have younger players, and he develops players. Eventually, One, they want to win. He, yeah, but not at this point. So, And he's cheap right now, too. Like, don't think for a second that didn't come into the conversation when you're talking about hiring a head coach in Arizona, and that's why you don't see those named coaches like Talk's not back there, Rick Talkit, or Mr. Talkit. Mr. Talkit, Or, Talk- or, or yes. Mr. Tortorella, too. <laughs> yeah. So, for those reasons alone, I think he's a great fit. <laughs> And uh, I just love calling Mr. Armstrong, Mr. Armstrong. Yeah, so let's Mr. Carter, let's Carter. Stay. Well, it's like a Carter very Carter. formal show. <laughs> 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 Mr. Jones. I, I, love <laughs> I
2: love Grumpy Anson. This he's is so, the best he's ever. so angry
3: today. It really he missed, is. we
2: got to tell people, he missed a beautiful lobster dinner that was <laughs> yeah. here for us. And then we interrupted him and we brought him in and forced him to do this show. But
1: Don't, <laughs> don't
0: mess with Anson. We're, no, we're no, glad did. to have him. I had some lobster. Don't get it twisted.
1: I was in there, but I got interrupted like doing something a little bit later on. So I still had the lobster. I appreciate the lobster. It was great. Mr. Join the guys. So I, you're
3: just I, salty I for other reasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want yes. to talk about him? No, I mean, Air it out. Come no, on. Man. This is the place right now. Our line stops. Yes. <laughs>
1: we'll, we'll have that conversation later.
3: All right. Like I'm just just putting keep putting rolling on right everything. <laughs> we're not taking the microphones off. When we're done here, yeah. Just, Just between us, buds, right now. You- and let us know what's bothering you. Keith Jones will solve all your problems.
1: Can we swear on this podcast?
3: (laughs) I don't know. Well, we'll find out, I guess. I mean, it's not like they're going to tell you you got another one after this and you won't be on it. So there is that. All right. Time now for the cold brew check fueled by Duncan. We're talking about Jack Eichel. Uh, This is probably the biggest story of the offseason, right? Jack Eichel and the Sabres, they are working toward a solution regarding treatment for his injured neck. Subject of vast trade rumors, mainly because of what he said to everyone publicly. I mean, it sounds like he's halfway out the door, or at least he was the last time we heard from him. Do you think Jack Eichel will be a Buffalo Sabre next year?
2: Yeah, I, I think he will. I think there's uncertainty as to what happens with the injury and how they address it. And if he's going to be 100%, would, would you want to be, as another team, offer up a huge package for a you know, a generational type player that you don't know yeah. is definitely going to be healthy enough to, you know, continue on in a month, two months, six months, a year. I mean, that's a lot to give up for a, a star player that potentially could help your franchise get to another level. Um, so I think the risk would be too high to kind of move him for the appropriate price until it's proven that he's healthy enough to play like Jack Eichel can play.
0: Yeah, it seems like a huge roadblock in the in the deal, doesn't it? Especially in the neck injury, if that's where the... The injury occurred, and that's where the surgery is going to be. Mm-hmm. You want to get all that stuff cleared up. Uh, I know there's a bunch of teams that would love to add a Jack Eichel and be willing to give up a huge package in order to get him uh, to a new franchise. I think he's going back to Buffalo and they got to iron this out. I think Mr. Eichel's leaving. <laughs> I, think, I think he's out of there. Where's I think for Jonesy's
1: reasons, I think wherever he ends up going, they're going to do their due diligence and make sure that his neck is to the point where they feel like they have whatever procedure they decide to go with, that's going to work for him. And it's going to be a massive package because I don't think the Sabres want players to be in Buffalo now that don't want to be there. That's a major problem. When you have your captain speaking about not being there not wanting to be there, Jack Eichel was drafted second overall. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was like Lafreniere going to a decent team. This team was terrible. Yeah. But you want a player... And they
3: should have been first overall. Exactly. I mean, they, were that, they were the we worst team in the league.
1: You in the organization that's willing to battle through that adversity and to come out the way he's come out. I mean, I'm disappointed because I've watched him play for a long time, college hockey in particular, He's a hell of a player, but not wanting to be there is enough for me if I was a GM there to say, you know, Jack, see you later. I
3: get that, but that's not been the story with the Buffalo Sabres, right? Because Ryan O'Reilly didn't want to be there either because yeah. he wanted to win. I mean, that, that was basically his biggest complaint with the Buffalo Sabres is I want to win. So He almost quit hockey. So that was it. Uh, and look what we all would have missed and what he would have missed out on. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, part of it is you obviously want guys to be there, but you want to be able to – keep guys. You want guys to say they want to be there and really mean it. And he's not the only guy. We heard from other Buffalo Sabres who said, if, I, if I'm traitor, I'm out the door. Yeah. That's so bad. Zach Bogosian was one of
2: those yeah. guys too, right? There's been a lot. There's been too many. And they've got to fix it. They've tried multiple head coaches. I think it's good that they stuck with uh, Granado now. Yep. They're going to continue uh, with him behind the bench. And they did have some measure of success while he was behind there. So I think that was a smart move. Uh, they need consistency. They need to stick with a game plan. And they need to really improve the environment there to the point that players want to stay. They want to thrive there. And the team has success. And the fans benefit ultimately in the end.
3: If he's healthy, who do you think should make a very strong play for him?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. I think a team like L.A. would be a good spot for him because mm-hmm. I really believe you have to have veteran leadership around him that can help him do what he needs to do best. If you put him on a young team that doesn't have those vets around him, I think they're going to struggle again because he's proven in Buffalo that he isn't that guy at this point in his career. Will he be that guy eventually? I think he will be. I think about Chart when you're former teammates. I feel like Patrick Kane. This is like Patrick Kane almost. It took Kane or a while to grow up and mature – to the leader who we see today now. We're in the sea for Team USA at World Championships. Being that player that players could look up to day in and day out, whether Chicago brutal or not, he'll perform at that same level. Yep. But I think it helps having players like yourself, or even Jonathan Taves in the room, having that guy that's serious, professional, to help him along the way. I don't know if the Ducks have that guy. I've heard the Ducks are interested. Minnesota Wild could be in play. Yeah. But I think LA Kings have that with like Drew Dowdy And, and, and,
3: and maybe that goes a long way go. to getting Kirill Kaprizov. In the mix, right? It's yeah, keeping so him right. and having having him want to be there. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's going to be the discussion of the summer, what happens with Jack Eichel. And that was cold brew check fueled by Duncan. This season, be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey, there is Duncan. All right, final episode of Our Line Starts. I don't know if we mentioned that. Uh, your final thoughts? Goodbye. <laughs> Well done, Keith Jones, Patrick Sharp. We're getting
0: the hang of this thing.
3: Yeah, we're hitting our stride just in the nick of time. Anson. I'm going to
1: Mr. Sharp and Mr. Jones and say deuces. All
3: right, I'm going to say it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for – and an honor. Thank you for letting us be a part of this, and thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Our Line Starts. I'm grateful, even if they aren't. Our Line Starts, fueled by Duncan. Take care.